You are listening to Rouge, White and Blue, a proud member of the Canadian Football Podcast Network. Welcome to the Rouge, White and Blue CFL Podcast. My name's Oz Davis, I'll be your host for the show, and joining me as always is my co-host, Joe Pritchard. Joe! <laughs> another week, another Winnipeg victory lap. How are you doing? What was it, 45 to nothing? Oh, yeah, I mean, we could do the old ESPN joke, right? This just in, Winnipeg has scored again. But yeah, I believe that final score was 45 to nothing. And since you're going to stir it up like that, let's just get right into it. Uh, I wanted to talk to you this week about the 2021 Winnipeg Blue Bombers in a historical context. Now, now I really hate doing this kind of thing. I have an entire solo podcast devoted to sort of avoiding that notion of labeling people greatest of all time in our time or based on very little time, players, teams, um, seasons alike. I really hate doing that. However, you just can't ignore what's going on with these bombers historically. I figured, Joe, you'd be a great person to talk about this because you're a you know CFL history junkie. You've actually gotten your hands dirty in the formation of simulations of these seasons for play.com. That's play.com. Mm-hmm. I just uh, put the finishing touches on another one today. So actually, I'm a tiny, I have one last thing to do, but it's all set to go. <laughs> okay. That was an 80s season, right? 86. 82. 86. 86 is, was released officially on Monday on the play website. And 82, I'm just wrapping up myself now. So doing a little bit of follow-up and making sure I've got all the I's dot, I's dot it and the T's crossed. But after that, that one will be ready too. Now, I should point out at this point that the Sims at play.com are free if you buy the game. Right. The ones I'm talking about, the ones that I've created, are absolutely going to be put up there for free. Yes. Wow. Great. All right. So buy cold snap at play. That's P L A A Y dot com. Uh, they did not pay for this advertisement. I just think it's a great product. Joe obviously thinks it is being a creator. Uh, they have Canadian football and a surprising amount of other games. Pro wrestling. What, what are some of the weirder ones? They have roller derby. They have. I'm trying to remember if lacrosse is still a thing. Oh, that's right. They used to have lacrosse. Uh, of course, they have all the standards, hockey, uh, golf, uh, baseball, football, basketball. Okay, so I wanted to talk with Joe, and I'm hoping that Joe can, you know, quell the fandom and up the historian aspect of his answers on this. But just going over how the 2021 stamps compare to some of those great classic uh, CFL teams where we always want to have that discussion about the greatest team of all time. Um, in, in Canadian football. Um, so, so I made a list of some teams and I made a list of some key aspects about them, comparing them to the 2021 bottles. And I, I just want to get your feelings on each of these. Joe. Okay, so I guess closest to the present would be the 2014 Calgary Stampeders. 
Uh, now, I guess the key thing about them, aside from the fact that they never seem to be in danger of losing any of these games, uh, always ready to come from behind victory. And I believe it was Bo Levy Mitchell's second season uh, in the league. Um, their average result was a nine-point win that They lost three games, but their average result was a nine-point win. Okay, the Bombers' average result this season is a 16-point win. So they're winning out on that. Uh, 2014 Stamps versus 21 Bombers, Jim? You know, it's funny because at least two or three times this year, I've had the thought late in games when the Bombers are putting somebody away that this must be what it felt felt like to be a Stamps fan this past decade. Because mm-hmm. the Stamps were never really thought of to have a super prolific offense. It wasn't like the only thing you talked about with them. Uh, of course, they did put up their points. They did put up their yards. But there was just always something about the way they closed opponents out and the way they just sat on them and finished them off. Um, I can even think back, I want to say it was like the 2018 West Final where the Bombers couldn't quite break through. And it just felt like they were there. They were in the game the whole time. There was, I, I just remember one long pass that glanced off the receiver's hands. And I'm thinking that was their one chance. And I feel like these Bombers are the same way. They're not giving out chances left and right. And you have to, have to, have to take advantage of them when you get them. Because they're not going to come around again. Okay. All right. Candidate number two. 1981, Edmonton. Now, you recently did uh, a play tournament uh, involving the 1981 Edmonton team. 14-1-1 in the regular season. Uh, Warren Moon, of course, running the offense. Uh, Danny Kepley ran the defense, uh, taking the most outstanding players on either side of the ball that year. Uh, But here's the 2021 Bombers with Zach Galeris back on track, I think, for his CFL Hall of Fame career, but all is said and done. And on the defense, you have Adam Big Hill, plus a lot more. And Big Hill might be uh, the MLP this year, although I think they might just give it to Galeris. How, how do you think the Bombers roster compares to those great rosters in the past? I would say that it's pretty close of course because both teams are more dominant in their seasons it's really hard to compare teams from that long ago to teams of now because the game is so different but if you're talking about just overall up and down the roster talent that's a really tough one for me to say because i'm thinking the quarterback comparison you have is moon and Kalaros, and i feel like in that comparison, Moon in his day and Claros in his day, you're probably leaning more toward Moon as being the more dominant of the two. Your running backs, uh, Jim, uh, the thing I'm finding out as I'm doing a lot of this historical research is Jim Germany doesn't get talked about nearly, nearly yeah. enough. Yeah. Uh, and Andrew Harris has taken has had some knocks this year. Uh, Brady Oliveira is just starting out. He's definitely got the talent here. Uh, I just think maybe up and down the lineup, Edmonton's got one or two, maybe even three places where they've got more going on. 
but Winnipeg is solid top to bottom. They might just have one or two less superstars than that than that Edmonton team did then. But you got to there's really no holes on either team. But but you got to admit this this has been a long time since Winnipeg has had this many superstars. Right. Absolutely. Willie Jefferson, Adam Big Hill, the defensive backfield it, it in and of itself has been a star studded this year. Uh, you're right. I, I just I think those those Edmonton teams might have had a couple of more stars than this Winnipeg team does, but there's no holes anywhere. Okay. Let's talk about the obligatory Bruce White Blue mentioned the 1995 Baltimore Stallions, 15-3 in the regular season. Now, all jokes and rhetoric aside, of course, the key to this team was closing the season on a 13-game win streak. Now, let's say the Bombers lose once more in the regular season, which I do think they're going to do, and I actually have a game in mind at which they're going to lose. But if they do, and they went out through the Great Cup. That means they'll have ended the season on a 12 and one run and on an 18 and two run going back to 2019. What do you think, Joe? Do you think the Bombers can close it out with one loss or do you think they're going to lose one? They could very well. I don't see Mike O'Shea sitting there and going, okay, we've got it clinched. It's October. Uh, starters go home and we'll see you in December. That's not the way he rolls. I think probably you do see backups come trickle into the game, third, fourth quarter. You're probably not going to see Andrew Harris until he's fully healthy. Uh, But, you know, he's not going to put pressure on injured players to play a week too early. But at the same time, he's also not going to lay down either and say, okay, we've we've done our part. We're going to take a month off and we'll see you in December. That's not how he's going to do it. Okay. One of my personal favorites, the 2009 Montreal Alouettes, 15-3 and in the regular season, uh, with, of course, Anthony Calvillo at quarterback. These guys put together 33.3 points a game. The Barbers aren't quite that there. Uh, they're averaging uh, 27.6 per game, and they would need to average 56 points per game over the final three. So I don't, I, I, I don't think that even the Bombers are that powerful to score that many. Um, but, of course, the key here is that the Alouettes um, only, quote-unquote, won games by 15.3 points per game, whereas the Bombers are 16.1 per game margin of victory. Are the balanced are the Bombers more balanced than the 2009 Alouettes? I don't know if they're more balanced. Uh, I think the Winnipeg defense is just been that much tougher to tougher to break through on uh mind you 324 points in an 18 game season is nothing to shake shake a stick at as far as giving up points but what are they projected to do right now i mean we're 10 we're what 10 11 games in for the bombers and they're at what 120 some they're gonna have a his- yeah 126 they're gonna have a historically no- low number of points given up mm. uh, but it's up we'll be looking back on 20 years and remarking on is how few points have been scored this year too. So that'll also be taken into account. Uh, but yeah, a, a nearly three to one um, difference between the points you scored and the points you've given up. I don't know if I, I don't, I don't know if the word balance 
belongs in that sentence. <laughs> now, mind you, they've played 11 games. Most teams have played 10, but there's two others that have played 11. And 304 points is above and beyond anybody else. Montreal has played 10, and if they have a 40-point game, they'd pass Winnipeg at the 11-game mark, but they'd have to score 40 this week to make that happen. And the next closest team to giving up points, 10-game 10, 10 Hamilton has given up 169, so they'd have to give up, what, negative 40-some next week? And I don't think that's even theoretically possible. All right, okay, feeling pretty good about the Bombers' defense then. All right, finally, last but not least, as they say, is the 1997 Toronto Argonauts. Uh, here's Doug Flutie in peak season. And I guess, just looking back on even the commentary of the time, the, the notable thing with those Argonauts aside, Flutie, uh, is the tremendous offensive line that team had. But, okay, so here are your 21 Bombers. Zach Galaris is headed probably for the MLP because they won't give it to Big Hill. And um, as for the offensive line, okay, Joe, you're, you're a huge Bomber fan. Do you realize how many sacks the Bombers have surrendered this season? Not many, but you've got the number in front of you, don't you? Yeah, I had to go through and total it up because for some reason, the CFL official website, CFL.ca, does not include team sacks. So I had to go through and like count them all. But do you know how many? Would you would you would you like to take a guess? I'm a guess like 10, 15, somewhere in there. Well, that's a big difference, but no, 10, 10, and three were in the first game. They've allowed four sacks since week three. One of the great offensive lines we've seen. No? Yeah, when you put it that way, it's very clear. <laughs> and and they faced Edmonton three times, and the one thing Edmonton has going for them is a defensive line that can penetrate and you're only giving up what four in the three i think edmonton might have all four of those that since week three if i'm not mistaken if the alouettes had this offensive line vernon adams would never need to run and i would have had a lot fewer coronary incidents this season let's put it that way they've been fantastic and just the running game and the passing game has really benefited by that. When you give Calaris enough time, that's heading into the it's not fair zone. All right, Joe. So when all said and done, saying the Bombers lose one more game along the way before the end of the season, um, they win out. They win the Grey Cup over, let's say, Montreal. Um, wh where would you stack them? Where would you put them in this crowd? I'd need a little bit more perspective. I would ask for a decade to see how everything shakes out. Oh, good answer. But like to see if scoring rebounds or if, the, or if we're just in the dead ball era of the CFL or something like that. Cause I'd want to see how that defense, how that defensive allowed points allowed number stands up to the next two or three years. If the points go up across the league or if the points stay about the same. It's just it, it it's gonna make all the difference in my mind as far as where they where they where they end up historically when you consider the ten years before and the ten years after, and then take a look at okay, they scored this many, they gave up this many, they did this, they did that. Kind of hard to make a historical perspective when things are ongoing. Good. I like that answer. 
right but i will be very i will be very very happy to take a look into that and see that they stack up very very highly i'm hoping that's the case sports in 2020 and 2021 in north america and i suspect in europe and other places as well are always going to have that asterisk that c footnote you know c for coronavirus they're always going to have that mark on it but geez dominance is dominance winnipeg is going to end up could end up there are scenarios and we'll talk scenarios later where Winnipeg could end up being the only emphatic over 500 team in this league. I mean, that says something, you know, that's dominant. If three, if three teams, if the three teams at six and four lose one of their last four, Winnipeg will be the only team at double digit wins this year. Right. Exactly. Exactly. See, that's dominance. To me, that's dominance. And again, at, at a high level, it doesn't matter who you're playing. You know, that's, Great. That's, you know, you have most of the best players in the league. That's, you know, you're great. Right. Let's get off the uh, Winnipeg bandwagon for just a moment here on the Rouge White Blue. Aww. <laughs> Only temporarily. And uh, to round up the, the rest of last week's games, uh, I don't mind. You can leave your goggles on, Joe. It, it, outside perspective is an outside perspective on this first one. Mantra Alouette's 37, Toronto Argonauts 16. Actually, I wanted to thank you, Joe, for picking the Argonauts. You're welcome. On pick. The Alouettes fans really appreciate it. I appreciate it. I, I picked the Alouettes. I have faith. Uh, as an Alouettes fan, again, I can only thank the football gods for giving us a non-heart attack game. Uh, as they said in Frozen, for the first time in forever, the Owls are in first place in the last week of October. Love it. This was this particular game, in my opinion, was some good old 80s style football that Kari Jones likes to coach. William Stanback, just an outstanding game. This is about the only all-star player in the CFL that Bombers don't have, I think. 24 carries for 203 yards and a touchdown. Matt Schultz threw just 18 times but connected with Lewis seven times for 156 yards and two touchdowns. These two guys accounted for 81% of the offense, and we didn't even need big play Jake Winnicky. Great. I loved how the stupid penalties that were driving me nuts the first half of the season are gone. Uh, just six in this game for 51 yards, none on the offense. Defense was awesome. Four interceptions, three sacks, two forced fumbles, and a pick six and a pear tree to end the game. I just have two questions for you, Joe. One, is this just a good game or was it a bona fide statement? And question two, what about Vernon Adams? Well, nobody sustained any success this year besides the aforementioned Bombers. So give me a week or two to tell tell you if they actually made a statement there or if the law of averages evened out on you, finally. But it does seem like Kari Jones is finding a way to win without a guy that's been regarded as their franchise for the past few years. And if that doesn't make Vernon Adams a little bit nervous right now, he's not human. So we'll have to see how the next couple of weeks play out. We got Schiltz. Schultz has some more game tape. Obviously, they leaned heavily on the running game and not so heavily on Matthew Schultz. So the game plan was a conservative one, even though the numbers turned out to be to look like they were going to blow off the scoreboard at the end. But they clearly weren't going to put the ball in Matt Schultz's hands and have him throw it all over the field. They just happened to when they when they did go to that, they happened to make it work. 
So I would say talk to me about that in about two or three weeks. Yeah, two days. Yeah. After these two games, I guess Winnipeg. Yeah, great. Thanks. Or one. <laughs> in any case, uh, in my not so humble opinion, I think that Montreal is showing some real improvement here. The defense is what we've been hoping for for a while. Again, no stupid penalties. I mean, again, I noticed those offsides on the offense aren't there anymore. Yep. You know, the hyperactivity on the defense as though they're carrying the weight of this team on their shoulders is not there. And the hesitance to give uh, standback more than 20 carries game is not there. I mean, when you're going for 7.5 yards a carry, geez, I mean, maybe even 24 isn't enough. I don't know, man. I, I, I don't know if this team is better without Vernon, but they're definitely calmer, cooler, and more collected. Yeah, I, I will say that. I mean, they've got they've had a pretty decent schedule the past four weeks, but they've taken advantage of the opportunity and rolled up four games. The only game that on the schedule since week nine that didn't look like probably didn't look like a win. Um, or at least a potential win was them beating Hamilton in Hamilton. But obviously we've seen that Hamilton is the bad luck team of 20 of 2021. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Then they did take care of business against Ottawa, even if it wasn't pretty for two weeks. And then they truly, truly did take the mantle of first place in the East for at least the moment by beating, by knocking off the top team in the East and emphatically. So we'll see if they can keep if yeah. they can keep that going. They have an opportunity next week against Saskatchewan to really show that they've turned the corner. Yeah, that's a key game. Right. Let's let's go on and talk about more division mates here of Toronto and Montreal. Hamilton Tiger Cats 32, Ottawa Red Blacks 3. Maybe not too much to say for this one. I guess I'm gonna take credit for being an idiot for figuring the Red Blacks would cover on this one. 14 and a half, 14 point spread or whatever. And I thought they might cover it because they've been staying in these games, but I'm going to go to you first because I'm probably biased here. Were you that impressed with Hamilton here? I haven't been impressed with Hamilton, Hamilton all season, at least on offense. Uh, their defense has been better than it's be- better than their record seems to show. I'll say that again, yeah, the second best defense in the league, as far as points points scored goes. Uh, yeah. The offense has been about mm, average and they seem to be losing the close games, which, I mean, if you want to start making some wild predictions down the road, you could still possibly see Hamilton winning this division, but they're going to need to have some of that luck that they didn't have. The missed field goals at the end of the game, the missed extra points at the end of the game have to kind of flip flop over the past few or over the next four weeks for that too, for them to be able to make that run. But I don't know that that offense just doesn't scare me. I'm not sure about the luck factor, but they stand at five and five. Right. So if you're correct, this is actually the first place team in the East probably. Yeah. If you, if you look at points for and points against, they've got a, they've got a case and they're only one game out. They've lost two to Toronto by the, a total of two points. Uh, they lost against Montreal in overtime by three. So they're not getting the doors blown off of them when they get beat. They're not a team that you're that you're looking at and going, up. Oh, that's a W on the schedule. They're not an easy out. And if they can and if the, and besides the first couple of weeks of the season, even like the first couple of weeks of the season, they the offense wasn't moving. Once they got the offense to be competent, 
they're five and three and their losses are by a total of five points. So I would, if I'm Montreal and Toronto, I'm looking over my shoulder and going, I hope they don't get up. I hope they don't, I hope they don't get hot. Yeah. Right now, Montreal has a plus 43 point differential and Hamilton is plus 42 and Toronto's minus 27 and in second place and mathematical tie for first. So go figure. I think you're right about the unimpressive Hamilton Tiger Cats offense. Uh, Jeremiah Masoli looked really good. But with a limited pass rush, it still gave up two sacks. So we're, we're, we're taking the wait. I'm taking the wait and see on Hamilton as well. But yeah, you know, I guess a couple of the breaks go their way. And they don't even need to win this division. They just win a playoff game and beat a team that's not showing up at the other playoff game. Suddenly, they're in the Great Cup at home against presumably your Winnipeg Blue Bumps. But in any case, that's way too much speculation. Let's talk. Saskatchewan Rough Riders 20 and a huge sigh of relief. Calgary Stampede of 17. The Riders were about one quarter away from an embarrassing three-game sweep by the Stamps. But I guess the numbers balanced out, like you were hinting at before. Uh, Bo Levy-Mitchell threw one pick too many, and the Riders pulled out the win to get back in the driver's seat for the number two seed and a home playoff game. My main takeaway on this game, and you may agree with me, Joe, is that there is just no justice how how does a team get called for 13 men on the field on an extra point attempt in the first quarter and still win the game that's what happens when you throw three interceptions (laughs) yeah and this is the and calgary is losing games the way they used to beat people sometimes they'd be impressive and just blow the doors off of people but they didn't do that all the time they didn't do that a lot they would win these games where Neither team looked good, and they would take advantage of the one big crucial error the other team did and just jam it down your throat. And they they don't do that anymore. They haven't done it. They haven't done it for a couple of years now. I mean, even 2019, there was definitely a little bit of an edge off of them in 2019. You you, you couldn't as a as any sort of western division fan you couldn't sit there and go okay we're walking into calgary in the playoffs and this is going to be a breeze no you're never thinking that but they just haven't they haven't been the same since they won it all in 2018 i want to say it's like that was the that was the crowning achievement of that whole four or five year stretch there once that happened they become a different team yeah they really did not show that shutdown capability on defense either looking a little bit tired out in that second half and allowing the riders to score two touchdowns. Yeah. And the right and the so. riders are, I don't know. They're a team that's baffled me since the start. They got the hot start going. Right. And then they couldn't sustain any of it. I don't know. They do, they don't seem to be they they don't seem to be good particularly good at anything. They don't seem to be particularly bad at anything. They're just kind of there. Yeah, not anymore. And yet there's still a game and a half up on uh, Calgary. And- I guess you can explain that to me uh, during this break, which may be 48 hours long. Okay, we're going to forecast next week's CFL games in just a moment, or as I prefer to call it, we're going to fade Joe's picks with CFL pick 'em. 
But first, I, I wanted to throw out an idea to Joe and just to the CFL podcast listening public at large. Been a little bit disturbed with the way that teams uh, most recently highlighted by Edmonton giving up about 17 safeties to Winnipeg in that one game. Uh, the teams that are having the punter sit on the ball and take the safety in the end zone. And I'm wondering if this thought occurred to me, and I was, I was talking to Joe about this before, it occurred to me during one of the games this past week and, and just, okay, so if you're a team on the offense in the CFL and you have like first and goal and say like the eight, nine even, you're playing three down football, right? Because even if you have a competent enough defense and especially if you're playing one of the, you know, sub 500 teams in the CFL this season, you're going to just go for that touchdown on third down, right? Best case scenario, you score six points. Worst case scenario, they get the ball at like the two or three yard line. You're going to have two plays on defense and they're going to, you know, snap it out of the end zone, take the safety. So, so, I mean, when you have first and goal, you're, you're never going to take that field goal, right? Probably not. I mean, unless we're talking about a scenario where that three points makes or breaks you and we're within a minute or two of the end of the game. Yeah, we're not talking about that scenario. We're talking about the second quarter in a game that's within 10 points either way. Right? That's, that's, the, whole, that's the idea here. We're not talking about, hey, we're down two. We need three to win. And it, there's 15 seconds on the clock. We're not talking about oh, that. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Well, I guess you could go for the tie and the tie win in overtime, but nah, yeah, obviously they're in the ultimate, you know, we need a field goal situation here, try and keep the field goal and pray that you don't have four speedy last week against Montreal. But in any case, um, I just, you know, it's interesting to me because now you're seeing this all of a sudden in the NFL as well, again, like, Less and less dependence on kickers, less and less dependent on punters. You're going for it on that final down more often. And I'm kind you kind of see this in the CFL too, where you're not even wanting your punter to take that chance of kicking it out of the end zone anymore. Um, just kind of, I don't know, it's kind of distressing for me in the CFL because again, it's a three-down league. And uh, you know, it was always more kick dependent and more strategy based on the kicker and the punter than the NFL and kind of seeing that disappear with this. I don't know. On one hand, it's kind of conservative gameplay because you're getting better field position, but on the other hand, you're giving away points, right? Whatever happened to don't give up, give up points. Well, then you can also make the argument that you never sit on it in the end zone on a punt either. Right. Get, don't just, don't give up the single and yeah, run it out to the five. I mean that's the that's the way the Edmonton Elks have been doing things all year. Uh, but no, yeah. I get your point. Um, and, and I think that's part of what's been going on this year, uh, just across the board, is that there's really no imagination in the coaching staff right now. Whether it was well, it might be metrics, right? It might be this this influence of metrics, right? The numbers it, right? that could be it. There could be the issue that you didn't have a lot of time to work with your players. Uh, you had the year off. Nobody's trying anything crazy. Or the culture we've got in sports right now is don't do anything that can get you laughed at on social media. Don't do anything crazy because God help you if you do that. 
No. Um, I think that's why we've seen a lot of people uh, taking exception to the product of the past couple of seasons is because it, it's very, very conservative, and that's not what the league is branded to be. Well, I think you can play conservative and have fun like they did in Montreal the last couple of weeks. Sure. But who who else is who else is making that work right now? Yeah, that's true. Before we talk next week's games, let's talk our favorite here on the Roost Right Blue playoff scenarios. Yay! Now, to me, it all looks like a big mess, but uh, obviously the Riders uh, increased their standing by finally beating the Stamps last week. But Joe, what do you got for us? Well, the Riders can clinch themselves a playoff spot. They need a couple things to happen. Actually, they need three out of four, three or four, four, uh, three or four things happening. I got to look. Okay. So what they need is they need to win. If they don't win, the rest of this is just, we'll talk next week. Now they need to win. Edmonton needs to lose. If Edmonton wins, we'll, we'll talk about the riders next week. If both of those things happen, the Saskatchewan win and the Edmonton loss, Saskatchewan needs one of two things to happen. They need either Calgary to lose to Ottawa or they need BC to lose to Toronto. That's an or scenario. They don't need both things to happen. So if they win and Edmonton loses and either Calgary or BC lose, the Riders punch their ticket this week. Wow, the all-riders parlay. Would be an interesting bet. <laughs> you could certainly, you could certainly make a run at that. Yeah, Calgary to win, Hamilton to win, Toronto to win, and Saskatchewan to win. Yeah, I would. That's not a bad bet, actually. Huh. All right. Anything for the East? Is there any sense to be made here? Yes, there are two things that can happen out East, and I'm trying to wrap my head around it because we have a 14 game season. And both of these scenarios require a team to have seven wins to clinch a playoff spot. Um, So if Montreal wins, they're in the playoffs. If Toronto wins, they're in the playoffs. The thing I'm having trouble with the math on this is that Montreal and Toronto cannot be caught by Ottawa. I believe Ottawa is done. I think they're out of it. Can they be caught by Edmonton? Yes. They could be caught by Edmonton in theory. They could be caught by BC in theory or Calgary, I guess, whichever of BC and Calgary finishes fourth, but I'm thinking it's BC at this point. Um, now Toronto winning makes them seven and four and then BC is four and seven. So that one makes sense to me because then there's two teams with seven losses and two teams with, uh, and Toronto with seven wins in the East. Toronto's got seven in the East. Two teams in the West have seven losses. Even if those teams won out, they couldn't catch Toronto. That one makes sense. Montreal would is facing Saskatchewan. So if they beat Saskatchewan, they are seven and four, and Saskatchewan six and five. But in theory, couldn't BC still catch Edmonton unless BC and Calgary play enough times at the end of the season or something? I, it does, it's not entirely clear how Montreal clears the bar. But I guess the league says they do, so I'm going to rely on their on their math skills better than mine. But that one confuses me a little bit. I'll be fair. Well, okay, but okay, correct me if I'm wrong. One of Montreal or Toronto will make the playoffs. 
Uh, two of the three of Montreal, Toronto, and Hamilton are guaranteed to make it. But a Montreal win doesn't keep them keep Hamilton from catching them. A Montreal win doesn't keep BC from catching them. Yeah, but what I'm saying is, but what I'm saying is, is that one of those teams, Montreal or Toronto, is going to finish in second place. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Right, you can't cross over two teams, can you? No, and I'm just talking about fourth place because a win by Montreal or, or by Montreal or Toronto keeps Edmonton from crossing over on either of those two. Now they could still catch Hamilton in theory. Right, 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 right. Yeah, yeah, right. yeah. That's wild. See, so so actually, one of those teams is actually is already clinched. Right. So Toronto and and Toronto clinches by beating BC. It's that simple. Because then there's two teams okay. out west that have seven losses. And they right. can't cross over over Toronto. So Toronto's in because they've already they already can't finish lower than third. So and they can't be crossed over on Montreal with seven wins could still in theory be crossed over on if they lost the rest of their games. So that's where I'm having the trouble. Mm, okay. Unless there's a combination of BC games and Calgary games where they play each other enough to make sure that one of them will have seven losses or the equivalent. But I don't think that's the case either. Anyway, I'm sure the I'm sure the league has done done their homework. So I'm just confused. I'm confused as to how that happens. But I'm going to just rely on them on this on that point. Yes, they have computers that we only have operations. Yep, and my brain is about you know as reliable as well. Not a lot of good things. So <laughs> I mean, have you that's seen my right. pick'em record? <laughs> yeah, but. You're supposed to be selling these simulation games, man. You better be good at something. At least those I have raw numbers. <laughs> that's, a, that's not going to change things. Yeah, I guess it's easy to predict something when you already know what's happening. Right. <laughs> and, I have a, and I have a step-by-step instruction manual on how to go from point A to point B. And if this happens, this team gets this many points. Yada, yada, yada. It's all, it's all uh, laid out for me. And the one thing I'm good at in this world is understanding something i've read except in this case okay unlike life play has a user's manual (laughs) yes god help us all all right let's talk week 13 games starting off uh potentially a snoozer calgary stampeders 11 point favorites at ottawa hmm over under here is 42 and a half. I guess they're assuming that Ottawa's going to score double figures in this game. What do you think? That's not a guarantee. Ottawa's been really rough the past couple of weeks, and they're going to be starting from scratch in the front office from the sounds of it with Marcel Desjardins out the door. So it sounds like they want to keep the coaching staff around, though. So uh, the new person, whoever gets is in charge out that away, is going to be somebody that will most likely be working with the coaching staff in place. So at least they will have that and they'll have year two of the Lapo experiment going on in Ottawa instead of starting from scratch again. At least they have some continuity. Yeah, yeah. Coaching continuity is better than no continuity at all. I'll take Calgary minus the points. I'll take the under 42 and a half as well. All right. Hamilton Tiger Cats, five point favorites at Edmonton is Edmonton starting their new quarterback in this game Joe? I would say it's a little early to be starting Nick Arbuckle who Edmonton got for a third round pick which could potentially become a second round pick if Arbuckle ends up in Edmonton next year but it seems like they're they were all in on Taylor Cornelius 
as of what last week when they traded Trevor Harris and now they trade yeah. for Nick Arbuckle, which kind of sends a mixed message, don't you think? It's either that or they're just trying to play the odds and having two quarterbacks around. But they decided they didn't like quarterback A, so they're going to go grab quarterback C and C to play with B. Hey, it's let's make a deal, dude. <laughs> if, you're, if your first prize was underwhelming, you take door number three you know, at that point. And to me, it's kind of weird that Toronto is making this deal, but I guess they made their choice at quarterback too. Uh, real quick, I'll obviously go Hamilton minus the points here on that game, but here's BC Lions four-point underdogs at Toronto. Uh, I guess the question for me is what happens at quarterback for Toronto this week? Either McLeod Bethel-Thompson has a great game or a poor game, and that seems to be the only two, <laughs> only two ways he plays. Uh, given his BC's defense, I'm going to say he probably has a great game, and we're, we're and we're talking about what a great trade they made to get uh, to get a pick where they could have had nothing, and they saved money on the salary cap, which I kind I'm kind of gathering is the reason they made the trade in the first place, rather than keeping two quality quarterbacks around. So, yeah, I think we're I think Toronto wins this one. I think BC fades, and I don't think BC makes the playoffs at the at the rate they're playing right now. They've gotten the doors blown off them two straight weeks. They're not doing all that well, and really, it, it all went started to go to crap when Lucky Whitehead got hurt against Winnipeg in Week Nine. They haven't been anywhere near good since that happened. Just when it seemed like they had it all together, um, that's when it fell apart on them. Yeah, because they were even they were they were competitive against Saskatchewan, who's where I think we both agree are about average right now. And they, so they were at least competitive there. You could make your case that they could still make it make a run for things. They have things were at least looking like they'd be competitive, and then well, the last month happened. Well, so. now that Toronto's got things settled at quarterback, we all know that Bethel Thompson will start. Uh, they're going to need these next two games because it's versus BC and then play Ottawa and then they get at Hamilton. No, they get Hamilton at home, thankfully. But oh, versus Hamilton. Okay. Yeah, but that's the uh, that's the proverbial playoff implications game right there. That one could be a big one. Yeah. So they got this two weeks to tune up. I guess I'll get on board with you. It's boring, but I guess I'll get on board with you, Joe, and give the uh, four. Take Toronto. So so it's looking good for the Saskatchewan playoff bid until we get to Saskatchewan. One and a half point underdogs at Montreal. Wait, is that correct? No. One and a half point favorites at Montreal. Hmm. Feeling a little bit disrespected here as Montreal. I think you should feel a little bit disrespected. Yeah, this is like five points on a neutral field. Saskatchewan and Calgary literally played the same game three times in a month. <laughs> I mean, they just flipped to one right. the last one, but they right. it was 20 to 17, 22 to 19, and 23 to 17. So I'm sure Saskatchewan will be happy to play somebody not named Calgary because that wasn't going so hot for them. But they're definitely cooled off from. Their bounce, they had a couple of bounce back weeks after the Banjo Bowl, and then they cooled right back down. So I don't, they're not playing particularly well or terribly either. They're not, they're not getting eradicated or anything, but they're not also not playing particularly well. And Montreal seems to be warming up. So, and at home, and I'm getting points. 
Oz, what are you going to offer me to pick the riders instead of what I just laid out there? <laughs> but just to make things interesting. For- well, no, no, just so just so you could fade me and uh, and still take your team. Oh yes. Oh, good point. Oh, jeez, I don't know what what can I tell you, Joe? Shoot. Uh, okay. I don't want you to promise me this one. I want you to promise me Winnipeg in a few weeks at Montreal. That's because I think, I know I'm supposed to take these games one week at a time, but I honestly believe that's Winnipeg's second loss of the season. I was figuring you're heading that way because I don't think it's going to be Calgary at the end unless Winnipeg sits start. I think they're going to enjoy spanking Calgary in that last game. I think I'm going to make a statement going into the West playoffs. And I think part of that is going to be because they're going to have lost to Montreal in that penultimate game. Because here's the thing for me with this Alouette's team. They're going, to, they're going to blow out. I'll take the one and a half points. I would take Montreal's money line. I'm going to have to find a way to bet this game. Because I really like this game for Montreal. I think that, you know, again, don't know if this is a better team without Vernon Adams. But I think without the gunslinger element here, we're seeing Kari Jones' game plan. We're seeing what Jones wants to do. We're seeing Stan Bath, who is really the franchise player on this team, who, you know, it's, and it's unusual to say that, because, again, it's a halfback playing in 2021. Okay? Running back is not supposed to be the accent of your game. However, the low-scoring CFL of 2021, you can get away with that. You can get away with a ball control game. You can get away with a game that depends on the defense to bend and occasionally take advantage of the key turnover. And, and going forward, I think Montreal is going to look quite good playing, again, cool, calm, and collective football. Montreal for the win. I'm confident enough to say that despite Joe's. Pick. So we've agreed on all four games this week. Yeah, Are you scared? <laughs> it is Halloween well, week. It could get up. It, only about that. Our last picks, thing. our picks, could get really, really ugly this week because you're picking all the same as I am, and I've been awful this year. I don't know. I, I, I guess I'm just happy there's no games on Day of the Dead on November one. Right. Uh, okay, Joe. Aside from fade my picks, you got any other brilliant closing words for us? Yeah, um, we're just we're also lucky we didn't get Ottawa and Edmonton scheduled for Halloween this year. That would have been that would have been pretty scary. <laughs> well, why? It's an excuse to go out trick or treating with your kids, right? You got trick or treaters. Yep, yep. <laughs> you know that would be a great excuse to go out with them. I mean, if you're really hard up, you just TiVo it, watch it, watch it on your ESPN Plus here in the states a little bit later. Uh, right? Okay. For the Rouge Right Blue CFL podcast and my co-host Joe Pritchard, I'm Oz Davis saying talk to you next week. Enjoy the games. Go out. Thanks for listening. Find more great shows like this at CF Pod Network on Twitter.